Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, fire, flammables, an album that bumps eternally. Today, we're in the party with Mobile, Alabama's finest, Flo Millie and her breakout 2020 mixtape album, Ho, Why Is You Here? Man, you bitches ain't built like me. I got rich at the age of 19. They chasing dick while I'm chasing my dreams. I walk in the room, they get low self-esteem. When it comes to a nigga, that's something I don't need. If I catch them cheating on me, I gotta leave. Them second chances ain't never been my thing. Got these niggas hooked like a drug to a fiend. These days, you don't even need a whole 15 minutes of fame. You just need one. Social media platforms have made it quite possible to have your fortune reversed on the strengths of streams, likes, and challenges. And such is the case of Mobile, Alabama's Flo Millie, one of today's best in the game, with 6 million monthly streams on Spotify and millions of TikTok views. She is it. Whole Why Is You Here, Flo's breakout mixtape feels like a smile full of clapbacks. It's bouncy, brash, boss, and shows why dozens of youth have co-opted her lyrics while dancing and looking into the camera. It's the swag for me, and apparently everyone else. RCA had the good sense of signing her and released the mixtape almost exactly one year ago today. And there are hits on there. Cindy Addy, Not Friendly, May I, Scorchers, some of my favorites. And we recommend it. Pitchfork calls her a visual speaker. I call her fresh. But call her Flo Millie. Flo Millie Jackson, if you're nasty. Flo Millie shit. Make a thirsty nigga wanna chase me. Bitch, I'm lit, I wonder, can he face me? Only laugh on the way to the bank fee. I want money, so fuck you, pay me. Ball like a pro and girl, you just a scrimmage. Play with these bands, nigga, your money timid. Ho, why did you hear was the album pick of our guest today, music writer Catherine Zhang. I met her through a mutual friend, shout out to Kieran Press Reynolds, when she was working on a tremendous article about the past, present, and future of Asian American music for Pitchfork, where she was recently promoted to assistant editor. Kat doesn't just write about pop music, but also about the role of the internet in driving musical and cultural trends, least of all TikTok, where she had this to say about our featured artist today. Quote, Flo Millie has proved to be a true gem on a platform overwhelmed by musical mediocrity, unquote. And notably, her example of musical mediocrity was a Jack Harlow video, noted. Anyways, I'm not yet ready to admit that maybe I'm a little too old to be up on today's game, but I certainly do appreciate having journalists like Kat spending quality time on TikTok and other platforms to help make sense of all this to a Gen Xer like me. Kat Zhang, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thanks for having me. What was your introduction to Flo Millie and her mixtape? My introduction to Flo Millie is like a lot of people's introduction to Flo Millie, which is I got on to TikTok in the, the summer of 2019, and her song, Be Flo Mix, was one of the first songs that I remember hearing. Um, basically, I think she started promoting Beef Flow Mix through Instagram and somehow it transferred over to TikTok or started getting traction. Um, and her manager actually paid the person who started the Old Town Road trend on TikTok, paid him like $200 to make uh, some video to her song. And then it got picked up as a dance by a different creator. And the TikTok ecosystem back then was so different than it is now. I think 
at least based on my memory, there it, you were a lot more likely to get music that was like picked up from SoundCloud and a little more obscure. It wasn't as likely that you would just have another Billboard 100 person kind of like going viral. And the dances were much more kind of like sign language as opposed to like the frenetic pace it is now. But back then, she just stood out because of her kind of sing-songy style and the fact that she kind of felt so youthful and like very much tailored to that ecosystem. And I just, like the more she started releasing music, the more I would see it on both the platform, but sort of listening to it myself. And uh, I have to admit that my Wi-Fi network at my apartment is flow milly shit. I originally <laughs> proposed... Dicks up when I step into the party, which is a line from one of her songs. However, my roommate rejected that. Although we're not really going to have any like, <laughs> like official guests over, so I thought it would it would be funny. But nope, we're sticking to Flo Milli shit. Flo Milli shit, ho. Flo Milli shit, yeah. Dicks up when I step into party. Y'all may do wanna feel on my body, and if I take them, bitch, I won't say I'm sorry. I do what I want, don't report to nobody. My introduction was definitely TikTok. Uh, the mean challenge and the may I challenge. Uh, mm. With TikTok, you know, you get an abbreviated version of, of, of any song. So the challenges made me want to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and the catalog was really eye-opening because, one, it gave me insight into just how much influence her music had on TikTok and on these challenges. And a lot of the content that was created with all the dance challenges. So it was a whole new world for me. I'm not going to get into any specificities of my age and such, but it was a whole new world for me. Also, too, I thought this, I think she's so culturally relevant. Whole Why, Why Is You Here is straight out of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. And for those people that watch, and I'm, you know, there's no shame in mine, I, I have watched religiously all the reunions mm-hmm. and everything. That's a line from uh, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta's own Puerto Rican princess, uh, Jocelyn Hernandez, who has contributed some of the most quotable sound bites. And they've made their way into memes and onto TikTok. So I learned a lot about Flo Millie and her influence um, from TikTok. And I learned a lot about TikTok and its influence. Um, from searching uh, for Flo yeah. Let's stay on this topic right now, because obviously, as, as both of you are talking about, right, TikTok is a fundamental part of the Flo Millie story. Uh, and really, and this was kind of the larger point I was saying earlier, just a, a fundamental part of musical discovery uh, and popularization, at least in this current moment. So if we can take a, a, a brief detour, maybe it won't even be that brief down TikTok lane. You know, first off, Morgan, I'm really curious to ask you because you, as much as anyone here, I mean, literally part of your job, I feel like as a music supervisor is to be up on new music, right? Music discovery comes with the territory with, with your profession. So do you and your colleagues spend a lot of quality time on TikTok for that purpose? We do. We do. It's definitely to, to keep abreast of what's hot in the streets. Now, having said that, personally, I like to place things that people have never heard of before. So TikTok isn't really the place for that. It is, though, a place to find unusual things, quirky things, things that you you wouldn't expect to be big viral hits. I mean, if you would have told me that Paul Anka, that people would be rediscovering uh, Put Your Head on My Shoulder and really bumping that and turn it into a silhouette challenge, I would have been like, get get out of here. But it made me consider using Paul Anka, placing Paul Anka in an unconventional place. So yeah, we do mine. So I'm guessing it's not in Space Jam too, because I haven't seen it yet. So you, you didn't find a place for it there. 
It's not in Space Jam 2, but I had a conversation <laughs> with Kira about it while we were working on Space Jam. I was like, yo, check this out. This is good. With just the beat. I was thinking, like, who could flow over this? Like, who could we push it through, push it to? But it was a giant, you know, it was a giant TikTok. Kat, if you just forgive us for going off on a tangent to a tangent real quick, because Morgan, I don't think we've ever actually mentioned this on the show, but you and Kier Lehman um, co-music supervised Space Jam 2. And I remember when that first happened, it was about two years ago, and like we couldn't, I mean, we were sworn to secrecy. We weren't, we, you weren't supposed to tell us, we weren't supposed, obviously not supposed to share it. And I don't think we've mentioned it, but like, congrats, like, because that movie you know just came out, it's doing huge numbers. And uh, shout out to you, Morgan, for, 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 I mean, what a feather in your cap. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I told you guys, and I didn't even tell my family. I didn't tell my family until a couple of days before the premiere. And so, um, I've, and I've shared this since, I just wanted to keep it a secret and surprise my mother. I wanted that look on her face because uh, this was pre-pandemic and we thought it was going to yeah. be like a big theatrical. And then when it didn't look like that was going to happen, I was like, I should tell him. But I kept the secret at that point for so long. I was like, well, let me just keep going with it. And uh, so it's been fun now that the story's out because it's my family has played the telephone game. So it went from me telling my mom that I was working on Space Jam to my uncle being like, yeah, so your mom tells me you think about going up to space, you know, with the, because of the flights. <laughs> and I was like, well, who, who, you know, who said You and Bezos are just up there in the stars? Is that, that's how it's gone? Just been a whole thing. But, but thank you. Thank you for the shout. It was fun. And a shout out to Kier as well. Our, our crew, our whole crew doing big things here. So, okay, Kat, bring you back into here. So I am not on TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, but I have a 16-year-old daughter who is very much on TikTok. Uh, and in fact, artists that she formerly liked for a hot minute, like, <laughs> I don't know, like Tira Whack, become less interesting to her once they blow up on TikTok. So she's definitely a hipster listener in the making. Um, and what's really fascinating to me, and, and Morgan, this actually goes back to your, your point about Paul Anka and, and you know, his, his return to glory, I suppose, is I can't tell you how many times when we're in the car together, uh, me and Ella, my daughter, we're listening to a, one of my songs, something that I like listening to that is from a different era, different genre, whatever. And Ella's like, oh, what is this? And I, and, or, or she recognizes on some level. I say, how do you even know this song? She's like, oh, it's big on TikTok. So just kind of the sheer breadth of it, I think is quite, quite interesting. Now, Kat, you know, there are probably few people out there who have done more to write about and study TikTok as a musical phenomenon. And so what I'm curious to know, I mean, you literally wrote an article called The Anatomy of a TikTok Hit. So is there a formula for blowing up on TikTok? I think so. Um, or at least there, if you were to engineer a TikTok hit, there are certain things that might be more successful. Like, you, like there are certain things that you would gravitate towards that make guarantee more success than other things. Um, it's very obvious thing is sort of like catchphrase, like a memeable catchphrase that people will want to use in lip syncing videos and that is versatile so they can kind of use it as a template for whatever they want to talk about. Um, there was a, this group of people read my article, The Anatomy of a TikTok Hit, and they decided they made their own, they tried to engineer their own TikTok hit and they called it Dumb Bitch-itis. And I think that is actually a great, slogan to use because people are self-deprecating and so they can say whatever 
like, you know, I got played by someone, I did something really silly today, and then the the punchline is like, I have dumb bitch-itis, and use the song. I got dumb bitch-itis. I might even be a side chick. You take five hours, I reply quick. Cause I got dumb bitch-itis. Um, a lot of the beats tend to be very bass-heavy. You want to have like a clear kind of punchy beat so that people know how to time their movements if they're going to do a dance or at least like when to jump in on the song if they're going to make a meme to it. There are a lot of like weird quirks like there can be like a wolf howl or like whistles, moos, sirens, something like that just to make it seem kind of quirky. So those are some kind of factors but especially as the Billboard Top 100 has like played a bigger role in TikTok's ecosystem. There's more like marketing money, like TikTok is collaborating with artists now to kind of boost their platform. Um, I feel like it's both more unpredictable and like less unpredictable or like at least like what goes viral is more dominated by like the marketing forces than like the particular sound. And then, yeah, and then you get like the really weird stuff like, um, well, I know, like, I think the Michael Jackson estate or something was, like, paying a lot of influencers to kind of make <laughs> videos to his catalog. Um, but then there's also, like, you know, 80s Japanese music. Or right now I'm, I'm writing about Vietnamese bolero music. And, and why is that becoming popular on TikTok? And so there is still that aspect of, like, well, wait, why is this, like, random music from decades ago, not even from America, becoming popular? And that's the stuff that you can never predict. And do you think Flo Millie, in terms of bringing it back to her for a quick sec here, to what degree was her success on the platform owed to some of the dynamics that you're talking about here? Well, I think like on the album, she's sampling like a classic Vine or, you know, she has like a very like fun and like sassy persona. A lot of the big influencers on TikTok are young women. And these young women, like the majority of like the top influencers are like, 16 to 20 year old woman who really love Megan Thee Stallion, who really love being able to show off a more confident mode. Some of them might actually be friends with Flo Millie. And so they want songs where they can kind of express themselves. And so I think that's always been kind of a feature of TikTok, or at least since I've, I've been on. And she definitely falls into that dynamic. Um, and then there's like there's some kind of sonic quirks that she has in there, too. And also just like like going back to the sort of digs up when I step into a party thing like that's that's a very audacious line. Um, I think TikTok likes when things are a little bit like obscene sometimes um, for the shock value uh, so that I think that's also why she fits very well into the ecosystem. Better watch when you step in this Gucci is pricey. Like a snake on a loose, they gon' bite me. Put it on him, now he calling me wifey. He tryna cuff, but it's hard to win dice. Say he like when I call him daddy. Tell him pull up, then I send an addy. She keep mugging me down, she a maddie. I got three... I had another follow-up question here, which is that the, the lifespan of any music platform, 100% not guaranteed. And, you know, Morgan and I, we do not talk specifics about age on this show, as well known. However, I do believe that both of us are... <clears throat> mature enough to remember when MySpace was the premier like 
unconventional new music discovery platform, right? And by 2021 standards, you know, mentioning MySpace today might as well be like talking about Edison's wax cylinders. So Kat, if you had to make a bet, do you think TikTok is still going to have the same influence, let's say five years from now, as it does now? It's hard to say, but I do think that TikTok has a kind of longevity that we like that maybe Vine didn't have. Like that's always the reference point that people bring up. And, you know, uh, Vine, I think, died for probably a variety of reasons, one of them being that they didn't reach an agreement with some of their creators. TikTok is really, really good at courting their creators um, and then also linking creators to brands and then also using themselves as like a resource for artists to test out their own music. So something that I didn't know before, which I recently discovered, is that when Megan Thee Stallion was releasing her her most recent album, they actually tested like five different songs to kind of see which one was would gain more traction on the app. And so they had originally planned to put out Captain Hook as the first single, but they discovered that Savage actually was more popular among the TikTok audience. And they could tell because they could track like what audio people were saving on the app and which one was being saved more. And so when you have access to that information, you're sharing it with artists, you're making yourself indispensable to brands and artists, and then also the creators. That I mean, it seems like a recipe for success. And it, you know, it's telling that all of these other apps like Instagram or Snapchat are trying to, they're they've essentially built TikTok replicas. Right. We've spent a lot of time kind of bearing the lead, which is Flo Millie. So Morgan, let's let's take it back. Okay, cool. So Kat, what makes Whole Why Is You Here a heat rock for you? Um, I think just her fun-loving style. What makes Flo Millie so distinct to me as a rapper is that she sounds young in like a in a really great way. Like she has said that she grew up in like a household of all women. And you can so clearly see her as like the younger sister who like talks back and knows that she could just eviscerate you with like one line. Like she doesn't even have to stress to like kind of assert her dominance because she just knows that she's like the funniest one. And like, I remember seeing her face for the first time and like she has braces. She recently did a song that has like, uh, that's like a riff on the door Dora the Explorer theme song and her voice actually perfectly matches with like the backpack character in Dora the Explorer. Like childlike, but not necessarily like juvenile and a a bad way like that aspect of her is is really fun because I think a lot like a lot of the female rappers who are very popular on TikTok are like grown women and that's great but I think for a younger audience at least on TikTok it's also fun to see someone who's closer to their age category and then she's also just so goofy like there's a uh, you know some of the lyrics on there like uh what big racks small legs bitch built like a wine glass or like my dad will drill you like a cavity because your dad's a dentist. And it's like, that's such a, <laughs> it's just like a, it feels like a funny kind of like suburban occupation mixed with this like aggression. And 
Um, just all the like little things that she kind of says that are very uh, playful. I think I really appreciate. Making you mad is my specialty. I'm the petty queen. I need you to have a seat. My dad would drill you like a cavity, and he won't let you win on his strategy. Better think twice when you come for our family, honey. You're gonna cause a fatality. I think that what I love about Flo Millie's flow is her voice. I, I love. I love the youthful sound of it, but I also love something that really reminds me of Nicki Minaj, and that's that that ability to go into characters. Like almost every song has an itty bitty piggy element to me, which is one of my favorite early Nicki things because she was able to do all these voices, and I think Flo Millie has that. It's it it's almost um, disarming because you forget that she's clowning you because she sounds so it's just so goofy and giddy that you forget like she just she just ethered you. I think one of her lines is is acting like we got beef, but you don't exist. And it's like, oh, okay, so <laughs> so that was that. But it sounds like she's doing this in really good cheer. So I just love the flow and delivery. It, it is it is a feel-good uh, album for me from start to finish, even with all the like the clapbacks and the trade-offs and, and, and all that. I, I love it. Compared to, I think, some of the rappers, you know, the, the rappers that are hot now, how do you think Flo Millie stands out and I'm not going to say who's better, but how is she distinct from Cash Doll, Sweetie, Jungle Pussy, Mom, Don't Listen to This, um, just some of the others. How do you think she, she stands out or how is she different? I think her like her very spry cadence and like the conversational aspect of it, um, the sing-songiness, um, the fact that she feel like she seems so un bothered in a very distinct way. Like right before this, I was listening to Megan Thee Stallion and Megan is so taut and kind of controlled and her beats are very like quick. So she's, she's always like, like she's saying a lot of things real, like in a really quick succession. And then in, in comparison, like Flumilia is just like, she's like, like filing her nails while she's talking to you. Like she's not like, she doesn't even need to bother herself with you. Like she's so like relaxed and just like cool about it. Um, and and that's something that I feel like is is pretty distinct. If I don't get my way, I get an attitude. I never paid attention at school. Never been the type to follow the rules. I'm the boss, do what I say do. Flipping on me, bitch, stay on snooze. Not finna play with you hoes. I got a fuckboy glow. I do what I do and I want. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I wish it on you for fun. We will be back with more of our conversation with music journalist Kat Zhang about Flo Millie's Ho, Why Is You Here? After a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts, keep it locked. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors. and Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create... Okay. 
Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. And we are back on Hate Rocks, talking Flo Millie's whole Why Is You Here with Kat Zang. This is actually kind of a part two to the question that we were discussing before the break, which is that Morgan and I had recently recorded an episode celebrating the 25th anniversary of Little Kim's Hardcore. And during that, we briefly touched on how that album and how Lil' Kim could be seen as a template or a blueprint of sorts, however tenuous or not, to this current generation of women MCs, some of whom Morgan's mentioned, right? That includes, obviously, I think, Nikki, Cardi, City Girls, Megan, etc. And I think you could absolutely fold Flo Millie into that lineage as well. And Morgan, I wanted to start with you, going back to that conversation we had about Lil' Kim. What are some of the parallels you see, if any, between the breakout women in hip-hop back in the 90s and then today's stars in the early 2020s? Well, I will say some things haven't changed. Uh, Misogyny hasn't taken a break, sexism, and hip-hop still remains. But some things have. And mostly, uh, when I I think about the 90s, gone are the days of the girl-rapper-guy-rapper combo, like a man pushing her out to the forefront. So there's no Jay and Foxy. There's no Big and Kim. There's no Missy and Timbaland. There's no Trina and Trick. There's no Snoop Mm. and Rage. It's just the girls. This is ladies' night. So they're presented as the women do not need a man to ride with them. They can do all that stuff by themselves. And I think that's the difference. The other difference is closer proximity to fame. They do not have to rely on street teams to make them big. And that's making Mm. them larger than life, much larger than to me than 90 stars were. And I think that's the a difference um, today. Kat, any thoughts on this same question? I guess something that is that was always striking to me about like Flo Millie's album is that from the get-go, her her real adversaries, I don't even think you could call them adversaries, but the people that she's really addressing are like other young women. Like immediately it's just ho, why is you here? Why is you here? Yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> um it's not even like like sometimes she'll talk about guys who are like sliding into her DMs and like how pathetic they are and things like that, you know. But a lot of it is just like these girls think that they can compete with me and they can't. And it's I think that's like kind of fun and refreshing where it's like like in this ecosystem that she's created, like guys are just like flies. Like they don't really you just shoo them away and that's it. I get a new hater every single day. If another hoe try me, I know I'm a blank. I don't hesitate and I won't even think if they gas in a bitch, I'ma empty her tank. So you better stay down, it's gonna be worth the way. Got them yelling flow milly shit up in their face, and I'm still in a spot that these hoes wanna take. They be like, Cat, what's your fire track on there? What's the one for you? My absolute favorite is Pussycat Doll. I don't know what this, how to perfectly describe the sensation of when she starts that track, but it, for me, it's almost like you're like lifting yourself like off your heels and you're like ready to pounce. I feel like a pussy cat doll. I don't answer when he calls. Keep that nigga on his toes and make sure you put up a wall. I can't trust him. I don't love him. We can't fuck without a rubber. And my ass been getting better. You can see it in my wall. All right. So for me, I think. B-Flow Mix is the fire track on the album. 
However, the one that I keep bumping is also Pussycat Doll. Keep up with me, but deep inside they want my spot. Make a nigga blow a check on me. Save his number under, we gon' see. YSL, Gucci, back it up, Juvie. He love my aura, when he with you, he be bored. If he call, I press ignore, I'm overseas and bored, bored. True story, every time I've bought a new car, and I'm looking at cars now, but every time I've bought one, I pre-plan what I'm going to bump pulling out of the lot. I've done it every time. And in a new car scenario and this album, Pussycat would be the song I pull off the lot with. It's just the swag and the confidence. Also, as a well-documented fan of labels and conspicuous consumption, this track meets every need. When she, when she drops YSL, Gucci, Christian Dior, I just feel like I've, I'm at home. You know what I mean? So I just appreciate her for that. So Pussycat Dolls is the one for me. What about you, old Doug? Well, I got to go with Beef Flow Mix, and there's at least two reasons. Uh, I mean, number one, it's the song that put Flow Millie on the map. And number two, and this is an extension of from one, I just marvel at the fact that the song is a remix of a song called Beef, right, by Ethereal and Playboy Cardi from back in 2016. And depending on the metric that you use, Flo Millie's remix of it is about three to four times more popular than its source material. <laughs> and I'm actually going to be in a different podcast in a couple of weeks talking about um, Jay-Z's The Blueprint. And so I was re-listening to the album, re-listening to Takeover. And, you know, Jay has that very famous line directed at Nods, you made it a hot line, I made it a hot song. <laughs> and this is kind of Flo Millie's version of this, which is, I took this thing that, I mean, and to be very clear, Beef was very popular. It's not like it was some kind of obscure song that she just plucked out of the ether, but she took a song that was already like a big deal and made it like four times bigger. Right. And that is, I mean, that is a flex. I like cash in my hair to my ass. Do the dash, can you make it go fast? Fuck the fame, all I want is them bands. If she keep on mugging, I'ma steal her man. He watching my behavior cause he know I'm bad. Pussy put a spell on him, he in a trance. I do what I please and you do what I ask. He love my confidence and that's what you lack if you think I'm still in swag. As we keep talking about, that sing-songy flow is such a signature part of it. And I don't know if necessarily Be Flow Mix is the best iteration of it on the entire album because she does it so much. But because it does come early in the mixtape, and because I never heard it before, this really just kind of caught my ear right off the bat. And ironically, it's because the beat to beef, I think, is really memorable. And again, she's bodying somebody else's song and just basically, re, you know, snatching it and making her own, which is, you know, I got to respect that. I mean, that's that is that's some G shit right there. So, yeah. Bring her to me. I don't give a fuck about her name in these streets. Sit down. Ain't no running up on me, bitch. I'm guarded like I'm an Obama. If they hit you, you gon' need your mama. They got heat, they ain't talking no sauna. Look how you don't want no drama. I think the beat really works for her because it sounds like you're kind of like pressing the like the numbers on a phone, like there's the little sound that it makes. And um, whenever I think about her in this context, it's kind of like you're you're like talking into like a, an old school phone. And I don't know, there's something like about that that feels really playful. Also, on the point about her cadence, she does sound like really like leisurely here. And I like the way that she really like accents um, like cash on my hair to my ass or like the like just like the little ups and downs of how she pronounces things yeah you know it's the, the phone thing is interesting what it makes me think of actually and this goes back to this the youthfulness of her sound 
is it reminded me of a Fisher Price keyboard. And again, that might be before your time, Cat. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying, Morgan. You, you know exactly the kind of Fisher Price keyboard I'm talking about here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Damn right, I know. And it just I just didn't think you were gonna put me no. out there like that. But yeah, no, no. I, I'm just saying. No, I know. I know. No, I feel right. you. I feel you. But I do think yeah. the phone is a central point that we're all mm. that, that, because it always sounds to me, and you know, unbotheredness may not be a word, but it is tonight. But there is this pervasive unbotheredness that she always sounds like, you know, reminds me of me and some of my friends growing up talking crap about somebody while you're on the phone. And you're so unbothered. Even if they're right mm-hmm. in your presence, you'd be in the, in the salon or something. They'd be right there. You'd be like, girl, this blah, 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 blah. And it always sounds like, like that to me, that she's so confident that she could just undress you with her words while she's on the phone. <laughs> so I think this is a, the, the phone is a central point here. Let's talk about favorite moments and I'll kick this off. And for me, and again, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm spending a, a lot of this episode just kind of showing my age and maybe just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little unsettled by the youthfulness of both the guest and the album and the artist here, um, but it's May I. And it's because Flo Millie gets her Snoop on during the hook. I got them mad, they so dramatic, want my spot, but they can't have it. Smoke for free though, May I kick a little something for the cheese and take a nigga only for the weed. So sure, it's the nod to Gin and Juice, but it's also one of my favorite musical tracks on the album with that TikTok, no pun intended, clock sound, um, and those deep synth bass lines. So that really gets me every time moment-wise. Kat, how about you? What Do you have a favorite moment off of this mixtape album? Um, besides that intro to uh, like the beginning part of Pussycat Doll, I also really love the part of like that bitch where she calls her haters a like a toilet with some lips. I think that's truly of like a, a classic kind of flumilly-ism, I guess. Bitches only talk down when they know I'm not around. All they do is talk shit. Like a toilet with some lips. Bitches hating because I'm rich. How you broke, you need a fix. Acting like we got beef. I didn't know that you exist. We're going to have you. Uh, my favorite moment is every single part of week. <laughs> every single part. Um, I, I've, you know... I, my my thoughts about samples are well documented. Uh, they only come from a placement place. I, I just like them to be clear. Uh, but from the moment that I hear intro singing, uh, uh, Coco singing the intro uh, to her flip of the sentiment, I just love that she takes the phrase "Can't explain how your love makes me weak" and turns it into a criticism about men. It's just so perfect. I mean, the confidence again, the unbotheredness. I just I love that song. Hey, I'm about to hit up Christian. I ain't seen him in a minute. Didn't be on my mind, but that nigga don't like to listen. Malik too fucking boring. He always up in his feelings. I know Eric got a girlfriend, but I'm the one he be missing. All these niggas. I'm glad you brought that the sample part of it up, Morgan, because I think when I was listening to the album through, not so much the first one, but maybe the second time, this one really jumped out because so much of this album doesn't use samples. And this is one of the few cases where it does. I think it really helps to kind of bring, accentuate the difference, the difference of this particular song compared to maybe the rest of, of the album. Indeed. And that thump in the background just takes, it takes the sample to, to another level. It just, that thump is just hard. So, so for sure. You can keep it pipping. Now I'm gone. I know you miss me. Used to taste good morning. Now you stop this inconsistent. I've been in my bed. Don't got time to be in my feelings. Ladies, listen. I ain't talking about fitness when I say these niggas weak. 
Kat, what's the song you would use to introduce someone to this album if they'd never heard it before and you just wanted to put it, put the album into context and say, this is Flo Millie? Um, I guess the very obvious ones would be ones we've talked about, like Be Flo Mix or um, Pussycat Doll. But I think In the Party for me was the one that really kind of introduced the album because like Be Flo Mix, when it first came out, was kind of like she hadn't really announced any album plans yet. That was just like the viral hit. And then In the Party is the one where it's like, oh, there are actually more serious projects coming on the, along the way. And you see a little bit more of a kind of progression and her kind of sense of humor as well. I think he liked the fact that I'm gifted. I just do me. I don't need no permission. Bad bitch with no morals. I'm saying Lord forgive me. You know my intentions. Family don't like the way that I'm living. But they didn't raise me. So fuck their opinion. Yeah, he gone off the perk. Now he raising his meat. I don't think that's a nigga that you want to keep. Because he give me brain like every other week. I smoked all his weed and I told him to leave. Morgan, this is kind of a new question that uh, I don't know why we haven't been asking this the whole duration of the show but is there a song on here that you would want to place and if so what song and in what context just giving up all my secrets out here but okay (laughs) i would place the intro actually Mm. it's 50 seconds but i love mood every day and as to the context well that's my business um i'm not gonna give that only give away half your that's it I i respect that i respect that okay Bitch, I'm better. It ain't up for debate. When you shine, how I shine, you get a whole lot of hate. I'm the shit, and that's my mood every day. If you trying to fuck with me, it's a little too late. Once again, Morgan calls Morgan calls dibs. Thank you, thank you, Cat. Yeah. If you had to describe whole why is you here in three words, what would they be? Well, we've already said unbothered quite a few times. So that's definitely one. Um, sassy. And sing songy. I don't know. I'm trying to land on a word that's like that's what we said that's like youthful, but with slightly more of a connotation to it. It's a work in progress. Sounds like a true writer in that sense, right? You yeah. can always endlessly re-edit oneself just to kind of like fix things as they go along. Well, before we bounce out of here, we always want to leave our audience with something else to check out. So we have some recommendations for what you should listen to after you're done with Flo Millie. Morgan, will you lead us off? Sure, man. I, I think I'll swing back to 04 and Jackie O's Poor Little Rich Girl. Swag on 100, similarly explicit content type production, um, a lot of the sing songy and actual singing. And uh, just to know what the context is, here's a quote from her Wikipedia page. The success of Nookie led Jackie O to discuss a similar subject matter on her second single from the album, Sugar Walls. Uh, just so that you know you're getting into it. Uh, but yeah, there's some uh, there's some hits on there. So I'd say Jackie O. It'd be so sweet to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It goes real deep to me. I'm going to take this back, way back, to 1988 and MC Light's debut album, Light as a Rock. Um, and even though I think someone like a little Kim has probably been more influential on later generations of MCs, to me, few rappers were as gifted at shit-talking 
as MC Light, especially on 10% Dis, which to me remains one of the greatest diss tracks ever recorded. And my apologies to Antoinette. Uh, I didn't, don't mean to trigger you if she's listening out there. Killing everybody in sight. The coach street six. The name is Light. After this jam, I really don't give a damn. Because I'm going to run and tell your whole damn plan that you're a beat writer. Don't stop taker. Tell you to your face you ain't nothing but a faker. Cat, why don't you take us home here? What would you recommend to our audience to check out after they're done with Ho, why is you here? They're not the same palette, but they are kind of equally contemporary. And I think, you know, when I think about the billionaire TikTok context, I also think about this album, which is Doja Cat's Hot Pink, um, mm-hmm. because that was Doja Cat's like big album that really soared on TikTok and kind of made her into a powerhouse. And so these two artists are good examples of like what I think is like kind of the positive power of TikTok. Well, that will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Kat Zhang. What are you working on now and where can people find more about you and your writing? Um, People can check out my author page on Pitchfork. Uh, I just wrapped up a profile of these two pop artists named Magdalena Bay, and I'm currently working on my next TikTok column, which I've left a clue about it in this episode, but I'm not going to fully disclose (laughs) Oh, folks, we'll have to wear Waldo this uh, episode to figure out what that might, might, might be. Nice. Well, Kat, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a delightful combo. Thank you for having me. Before we go, Morgan and I have an important announcement to share with the Heat Rocks community. After nearly 200 original episodes and over three and a half years, Oliver and I have decided to end our current run of Heat Rocks on Maximum Fun. To be clear, this isn't the end of the show, but after our August 11th episode, we'll likely be taking the rest of the year off for a much-needed break to recharge and retool. It's been an incredible run that we've had here, and we are so appreciative for Max Fun for helping us launch our show and supporting us all these years. It's been a great experience, but we really do need this break. And to emphasize, we're not saying goodbye, we're just saying, see you soon. We have every intention to come back with our show in 2022 once we've had some downtime. To mark this transition, our August 11th show in two weeks will be a special appreciation episode where I, Oliver, and our producer Christian will be giving love to some of the people and things that have made Heat Rocks so precious to us since we launched in the fall of 2017. For the occasion, if you all feel so moved to contribute your own testimonial, we'd love to hear them. You all know how much Morgan likes her voicemails. So we've set up two ways for you to send them in. You can either call in into a literal voicemail number, which we will set up at heatrockspod.com, or you can leave us a voice memo. You can send us a voice memo. Email it to heatrockspod at gmail.com. We'll have both links at our website at heatrockspod.com. Just know that we do need those testimonials in by the end of this Sunday, August the 8th, so we have some time to run through them and edit. We know this announcement comes as a surprise to all of you, and we just want to stress, we love making this show for you. Like Oliver said, this isn't a goodbye, it's a see you soon. Maximumfun.org 
comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.